Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we are able to be together to start this day in prayer. Today is Thursday, and this is the season of Pentecost. Today we finish up our reading of 2 Peter. Please feel free to send me an email with any stories or insights that you might have. You can send them to me at pastorjim2006 at icloud.com. And now we begin our time of prayer together in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship in praise. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God, a reading from 2 Peter chapter 3. My dear family, this is now the second time I am writing you a letter. Your motives motives are pure, and what I'm trying to do in reminding you is to stir them into action so that you'll remember the words spoken early by the holy prophets and by the command of the Lord and Savior which you received from your apostles. But you must first know this. Deceivers will come in the last days, with deceitful ways, behaving according to their own desires. This is what they say. This is what they will say. Where is the promise of his royal arrival? Ever since the previous generation died, everything has continued just as it has from the beginning of creation. They willingly overlook this one thing you see. The ancient heavens and earth were formed out of water and through water by God's word. And it was by flooding the world of that time with water that it was destroyed. The heavens and the earth that we now have are being preserved for fire by the same word, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the wicked. So, beloved, don't forget this one thing, that a single day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a single day. The Lord is not delaying his promise in the way that some reckon delay, but he is very patient toward you. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Rather, he wants everyone to arrive at repentance. But the Lord's day will come like a thief. On that day the heavens will pass away with a great rushing sound, and the elements will be dissolved in fire, and the earth and all the works on it will be disclosed. Since everything is going to dissolve in this way, what sort of people should you be? You should live lives that are holy and godly, 
as you look for God's day to appear. And indeed, hurry it on its way. The day because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the elements will melt with heat. But we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which justice will be at home. That is what he has promised. So, my dear family, as you wait for these things, be eager to be found without spot or blemish before him in peace. And when our Lord waits patiently to act, see that for for what it is, salvation. Our beloved brother Paul has written to you about all this, according to the wisdom that has been given him, speaking about these things as he does in all his letters. There are some things in them which are difficult to understand. Untaught and unstable people twist, their, t- twist his words to their own destruction, and they do it with the other scriptures. But as for you, my dear family, be on your guard, since you have been warned in advance. That way you won't be led astray through the error of lawless people or fall away from your own solid grounding. Instead, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Messiah. To him be glory both now and in the day when God's new age dawns. Amen. Talk about the third chapter of Second Peter changed considerably after 5.30 a.m. on July 16, 1945. It was at that precise time that the United States conducted the Trinity test that detonated a plutonium bomb in the New Mexico desert. The time when the age of nuclear weapons begins. Before that moment, the thought of the world dissolving in fire could be reckoned with according to the symbolic cleansing power of fire, as the old creation gives way to God's new creation at the end of the age. After that moment, though, we are left to wonder if instead of God igniting a creation-destroying cleansing flood of fire, human beings might pull the whole creation down on our own heads and bring an end to the Anthropocene era of Earth history. Peter ends this second letter with the sober reminder that God will, in God's own patient time, draw this age to a close, renew the earth, raise the dead, sit in judgment, which will result in setting creation in order again. This end is both the stuff of our hopes and dreams and the stuff of our fears and our nightmares. But those mixed thoughts and feelings are also present whenever we simply think of death in a more mundane way. And there is nothing wrong or sinful about feeling that way. It is right to love this world that God made. God loves this world. And to love our life in it, God certainly delights in it. But it is better to hope for this world renewed in Christ, better to look for the resurrection of the dead, to anticipate, to hope, to dream about life in the world to come. That kind of hope is really an extension of our love for God and for all that God has created, including these bodies and these relationships that we enjoy in this life. What Peter does not want us to lose sight of, however, is that the good end in Christ is going to come. Already in Peter's day, there was skepticism as to the coming of the end of the age and the return of Christ as judge. The first generation of apostles were dying, and Peter wanted to make the church sure in its hope, to anchor their hope in Christ and not on any particular timetable of the end in this generation, or the next, or the one after that. But just as the gospel compels us to behave with an eye towards life in God's kingdom, when it comes in its fullness, it also gives us the hope to sustain us 
and love to inspire us in this age as well. Peter writes that God has no desire that hell be populated, but with God's whole heart, desires that all turn to God through faith in Christ Jesus. That is why the end is not yet. God is patient. Our work in this era is to share the good news in word and deed, to love all people following the example of Jesus, to live as God's people in the world. That much we probably know. But I think this also means that we are to not actively or be actively involved in or participating in ways that knowingly lead to the destruction of this world, but instead wait in faith as we work to bring about the first fruits of the life to come in Christ. And that probably has some major implications for the way in which Christ's people, that is you and I, think and act in these days about things like war and the human impact on our natural environment. The simple fact that human beings, the ones that God created in God's image and sent into the world to love and care for God's good creation, hold such destructive power in our hands, leads us back to Scripture to reevaluate our old ways of thinking. After all, when Christ appears, what do we want to be found doing? Planting a garden or starting the fire that will burn the whole thing down. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and for all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the gift of relationship with others, for the communion of faith in your church, and for the promise of eternal life in the world to come. For what else are we thankful this day? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for people who are ill, who are afflicted with chronic illness, for those who care for them, for the grieving, 
and for all who work and for peace and international harmony, for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction, and for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land. For who else or for what else are we praying this morning? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go forth now into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Amen.